Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, knowing how to respond to the question over the following weeks and months. I'll be taking a look at some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I'll also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. Let's talk about some of the other types of human trafficking. Now, as I mentioned previously, with regards to prostitution and sex trafficking, when individuals believe that prostitution is indeed a job, I personally do not believe that because, as I've said previously, in the U.S., around 90% of prostitutes were sexually abused as a child. And also, the question I have is that why is it if prostitution is a job, it's only for adults? On the back of that, as I shared, when I went to university, we did not have sex weeks, nor did we have talent or scout agents with a stall or a stand trying to enlist people into the so-called job of prostitution. I find it interesting that when people say prostitution is a job, that they consider it to be a job, but not for their family members. When their son, daughter, niece, nephew, grandson, granddaughter grows up, they can be a lawyer, a doctor, social worker, police officer, teacher, but not a prostitute. When children are small, what do they usually say? When I grow up, I want to be a princess. When I grow up, I want to be a fireman. Or sometimes, when I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. Parents do not educate their children that when you grow up, you should be a prostitute. In fact, having been to India, having met trafficking victims and seen prostitutes, and having read and heard that many of these women in brothels in India do not want their daughters to end up in the sex industry. And I believe that is a reality for many women who are either trafficked sexually or a prostitute. Not every prostitute has been trafficked not every prostitute has a pimp. In fact, I spoke to somebody recently who shared with me that they used to be a prostitute. However, they said that it was their boyfriend who had actually enticed them into this. And when they ran away from their boyfriend and he eventually found her, he beat her up almost to the point of death and then kicked her out again. She also shared with me that when she was a prostitute, many a time she was doing it by herself. She did not have a pimp. 
So not every prostitute has a pimp, and not every prostitute is trafficked. That's an important thing to point out. It's interesting, though, that there are people who are convinced prostitution is a job. It is sex work. In fact, recently doing some research, I saw that one agency that works with another agency describes that agency as sex workers. In fact, the agency they're referring to is one I used to work at in the UK, and that agency does not consider that the victims and survivors that come through those doors. They do not consider those women to be sex workers. In fact, I remember a training we had with an, an outside agency. A man came in to provide us training, and he used the term sex work. That made me so uncomfortable. I literally was just having almost palpitations on the inside. I was so uncomfortable. I said nothing, but I was not happy that this term was being used. In my organization where I was working, because I knew we did not believe it was sex work whatsoever, and I really appreciate the fact that one of my colleagues actually made the comment to him and said, "We do not use the term sex work," and she explained why. And I felt that he was dismissive in his response, and that bothered me. If you want to call it sex work and a job, that is your issue and your problem. However, you have come into our space, into our environment. And the least you could do is entertain what we're saying, listen to what we're saying with open ears. I personally perceived he didn't want to hear it. Maybe he even purchased a prostitute. Maybe he even believed, whether he purchased or not, he believed that was sex work. My opinion, having worked with prostitutes, been to the red light district. I do not believe that these women see it as a job. Now, there are some women, particularly in places where it is legal, where they will indeed say it's a job. However, I believe if you talk to these women on a level—no video camera, no recording, no business sort, just jeans and a t-shirt, casual attire, open conversation, open dialogue, meeting them where they're at. Understanding these are human beings deserving and worthy of respect, of integrity. When you just talk to them on a level, not as a lawyer, not as a doctor, not as a social worker, not as a journalist, as a human being, I believe if you can meet them where they're at, if you can cross over into empathy, into understanding, I am convinced. If they are able to build a rapport with you, to trust you, they will tell you the truth. And I say that because I was with a prostitute in the Philippines. She was a lady boy, and she opened up to me about one of the interactions that had just happened with a friend, who was also a lady boy. Now she swore me to secrecy, so I cannot tell you what she said. But what I can say is that what she expressed to me was that when. Herself, her friends go into that hotel room or motel or vehicle with a customer. The customers often like to break the rules. So, for example, I don't want to kiss you. I want to use a condom. I do not want to perform this. I do not want to do that. Despite communicating in a clear language of English that is understood. 
or Tagalog or whatever the language, French, German, whatever, communicated in a clear language that is understood to the customer, that customer goes and breaches that agreement. That is a verbal contract. If we can even say that, it's a verbal contract. Remember, this is supposedly sex work. It's a job. A contract has been established verbally. That customer sometimes oversteps the agreement. And that is what she expressed to me. Yes, there are some women who work as escorts and some women who love what they do. Yes, that is the reality. But I would say the vast majority of the time, it is not like that. We do not know. We're looking on the outside. We're judging these beautiful women in their attire without fully understanding the reality of what it is like for them when they step into that enclosed space with just them and the customer. Maybe you want to say they have a panic button. Well, I will tell you, a panic button is not enough. Why? Because when they press the button, it's usually too late. And if they press the button, do you think they'll be working in that brothel for much longer? Come on now, be realistic. None of us understands what it is really like to be in a confined space with another human being, a complete stranger, where money has been or will be exchanged, sexual activity will be performed. We don't know what it's like. We have no idea. Think about if you are married or if you have engaged sexually with another person, think about that interaction. Think about that interaction if things did not go the way you expected, if you did not enjoy it, if they overstepped what you had said. Consider that for a moment. But take it one step further and consider that happens hour after hour after hour. When we say it is a job, we do not know what these men, women, ladyboys, transgenders are going through. We have no idea whatsoever. And I'm not advocating you go out and try it. Of course not. I'm just saying to you, I stand on the fact that I am convinced wholeheartedly prostitution is not a job. But maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you still believe it's a job. Well, the question I have for you, if prostitution is a job, then that makes the bedroom the workplace and the bed the workstation. How is the bedroom a workplace for any man or woman on this earth? And how is the bed the workstation? Because let's be realistic. Prostitutes who perform sexual services in a hotel, they perform it in a bedroom or in a vehicle. How is a car a workplace? And let's be realistic. In a place like the UK, having sex in a public place is a criminal offense. So how does that one work? How is it that there is so many challenges, if I can use the word challenges, challenges attached to this kind of work? And there's so many areas of illegality attached to this type of work. I don't believe that it's a job, but if it is a job, this makes the man the customer and he is purchasing a service. So what does that make the prostitute? A product? I don't believe any man or woman on this earth is a product, a commodity, a product, a box of cereal. A box of juice, a bag of chips, 
a bag of bread. I do not believe any human being can be considered or deemed to be a commodity that you could put a woman or a man beside a packet of bread, a packet of chips. I do not believe that, and I think that there is an issue with today's society that we deem prostitution a job and therefore legalize it in certain countries. I believe prostitution is paid rape, and if it is paid rape, that makes the man a rapist and the woman a victim or survivor. I do not understand why we are so free and willing to accept this is an occupation. Prostitution, in my opinion, is not the oldest profession in the book. Many of these men and women who prostitute themselves are brutalized, kidnapped, raped, and murdered. But we sit down and say it is an occupation. It is not an occupation. It should never be an occupation. There are so many issues with prostitution, unwanted pregnancies, STDs, HIV/AIDS. Some of these prostitutes die at the hands of their customers. How can we say this is a job? Is there a warning when a woman enters into the room? The money is exchanged before the agreement. Is there a warning? Prostitute, just so you know. You may lose your life tonight. When we go into work, we know there are hazards of the job. But come on, seriously, how many jobs can you get? AIDS, STDs, HIV, pregnant. How many jobs involve you giving up your bodily integrity? Absolutely none. When a person engages in sex in the pornography industry, has that person truly consented? Yes, they have. They have consented. However, I will say that often when they agree to certain sex scenes, they are agreeing with reservations. They're agreeing because they want the money. They're agreeing for multiple reasons. But that is wholly different to prostitution. And you have to understand, with the pornography industry, many of those women do not last very long in that industry. The turnover is very, very high. When you are in a job and the turnover is high, you've got to ask yourself why. Even one of my jobs, the turnover was very, very high. In fact, I can say to you that within the space of four weeks, ten different employees quit their job, and there were others who were planning to leave. So I would say there was a sum total of ten people who quit their job. Some of them because they were going on to new pastures and other positions. Others of them quit, unintentionally quit prematurely. Others of them were on their way to quit. So ten people within four weeks resigned early, resigned for another position, quit on the spot, and another three were in the pipeline. If there is an establishment with a high turnover who continue to hire. On a rolling basis, because people do not last in that profession, you've got to ask yourself why. Is that really the type of industry you want to go into? When there are hazards of STDs, AIDS, HIV, death, unwanted pregnancy, abortion, would you really want to go into a job like that? Ask yourself the question.
You have no idea what that customer will do to you. What can you do when you have no clothing on you and just a panic button? How exactly do you intend to protect yourself? Truthfully, you cannot. I read a book by Rachel Moran, Paid For. That book changed my life. Rachel really spoke vividly and truthfully and transparently of her experiences in prostitution. Before reading her book, I did not believe prostitution was a job. After reading her book, I was even more convinced prostitution is not a job. And her book taught me something else. Paid rape. That's what it taught me. I now had an argument I could stand on. Paid rape. We need to understand that women and girls are vulnerable. Boys and girls are vulnerable. In the Philippines, cyber sex trafficking is on the increase. Cyber sex trafficking is where boys and girls are being sexually abused via the internet by peers, family members, friends, pimps, traffickers for the sexual desires of usually a Western man in his home in the UK, Australia, Korea. This is an issue. And it's one of the main reasons why I desire to build safe houses in the Philippines. I have to say I am disappointed that when I did put on a Zoom program touching on the topics of abuse and trafficking during the time zone of the Philippines, India and Indonesia, only two people turned up. One of them was from India. The other one was from a Spanish-speaking country. And two others eventually turned up who were from Trinidad. So when the group began, there were only two people. Now, the sum total was indeed four. However, if we remove two of those participants who were from Trinidad, who usually attend in the evening, and if we consider that one of the people were from a Spanish-speaking country, I believe they were from Europe, I'm going to say that that Zoom meeting only actually had one participant. And I will say, although I offered to do the sessions again, if they were able to bring others to the group, unfortunately, I did not hear anything further. The good news is they certainly appreciated the session and they learned a lot from it. The bad news is I did have technical difficulties during the meeting, but aside from that, they were able to take information and questions were asked at the end. What saddened me is I had a police officer who works in the division of women and girls. I had other Filipinos who wanted to attend and had signed up to attend the program, but only one person attended from India. We have to think about this. Now, I'm not speaking about the people who signed up or the people who attended or wanted to attend but couldn't. That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about individuals in a place specifically like the Philippines, not necessarily people who I know, but you have to ask yourself the question, how is the Philippines number one for cyber sex trafficking? How is it that children are being sexually abused via webcam in the comfort and so-called safety of their homes? When you ask yourself that question, you will realize the reality is that the Filipinos are abusing each other. It is not about the foreign men. 
You may not know this, but in the Philippines, one of the newest airports is in Angeles, Pampanga. Why is it there? Because in Angeles, Pampanga, we have Walking Street. Walking Street is where the prostitutes are. As you enter Walking Street, you have bars, you have McDonald's on the left. You enter from the main street, you have bars. You have stunning women along the street, on the inside of the bars and on the outside. You continue walking, you come across ladyboys. Ladyboys is a term we use in Thailand. I say it, the ladyboys can be defined as men in dresses. It's men who dress up in women's clothing. It's a Thai term. You've got women, you've got ladyboys, and as you walk further up and you're leaving Walking Street, you have children in the park. Now, it is not a park, but it is called a park. And if you wanted to have sex with children, just continue until you get to the end of Walking Street and you'll find the park. Now, think about it. If Walking Street is an area known for prostitution and an airport is built next to Walking Street, what does that say to you? Because if I want to travel to Angeles Pampanga, I have to take a bus from Manila. And with traffic, it can take up to four hours. Without traffic in the early hours of the morning, it can take about two. So imagine a four-hour commute or more in traffic to get to Angeles Pampanga or just fly in direct. When a country builds an airport next to the red light district, what does that say about the country? When you hear that 40, 40, 40% of tourists who come to the Philippines are coming for sex, what does that say to you? When you are hearing that cyber sex is huge in the Philippines, what does that say to you? Because cyber sex requires internet connectivity, a webcam and a computer. And when we're on lockdown and cyber sex trafficking is not decreasing, what does that say to you? There is an issue there. When I do a Zoom meeting and not one person from the Philippines turns up, what does that say to you? That is an issue. That is an issue. And somebody told me that the Filipino president is racist. Now, for me personally, whether or not he is racist, I do not care. Why? Because being racist does not mean that children in the Philippines should live on the street. Does not mean children in the Philippines should be sold for sex. It does not make that okay or right. The president's actions or inactions has nothing to do with the children of that country. They are innocent and defenseless. For me, despite the fact that the Filipinos are not doing enough in their own country, that will not stop me from wanting to become fluent in their language. That will not stop me from building safe houses and orphanages. I am sad. My heart breaks. I have been going to the Philippines for five years and I'm still not fluent. I know hundreds of Filipinos. I'm still not fluent. I even had people offer to teach me. I'm still waiting weeks, months, years later. That will not stop me. I have to find 3,000 British pounds every year for the next three years and sacrifice two days a week to go to classes. I will go to classes. It will not stop me from doing what I need to do. And I say that because for me, I have a mission. 
Just because the people around me do not care does not mean I need to have the same attitude. Many of us care about issues of equality, of racial inequality. We want to see change. Are we doing anything? Many of us are not. We talk about it. We get angry about it, but we are not doing anything. That needs to stop. We need to act. The Bible says faith without works is dead. We need to put our faith into practical action. And that is exactly what I intend to do. Yes, I may come up against roadblocks. Yes, there may be hurdles, but I know I can overcome all things because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when I have God on my side, no matter what the enemy may try to throw in my path to distract me or dissuade me from the goals that I have, I know and believe I can accomplish all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I want to encourage you, whatever it is that you are hurting about, whatever it is that you are passionate about, do more than speak, do more than get angry, do more than discuss, do more than Facebook posting. Make your words become action. Words becoming action. The Bible says the word became flesh. Let our words change and transform the lives of the people around us. Whether they're the people in the US experiencing racial prejudice and brutality, whether they're the people in the UK, it doesn't matter. We have an obligation and responsibility to bring our words to life, to do more than speak, but let our speaking become action. Thank you for listening to another episode of Can You Keep a Secret? I trust that the information has been useful to you. I believe that we all need knowledge and education. And when we have a better understanding of topics such as abuse, it enables us to better safeguard the children in our world. For a better understanding of the topics being covered each week, then please reach out to me for a copy of my new book, Can You Keep a Secret? You can follow me, message or email me so that I can answer your questions in upcoming episodes. We can all learn from one another. And this is an educational series that I hope will impact and change not just your life, but also that of the people around you. You can find all my contact details on my website, changingcases.org. That's changingcases.org. Remember to share this podcast with friends and family members. There are victims and survivors in your world. You just don't know it. But if we can all be educated, then the world can be a safer place. Please tune in next week for another episode. A secret, can you keep a secret? I want to trust you. I want to trust you.